Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Here's breaking news on the Bill Shank Show. Details have surfaced today about the January 15th car crash that killed University of Georgia football player Devin Willock and recruiting analyst Chandler LaCroix, including pending charges against Jalen Carter for reckless driving, putting his draft status in question. Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. We're going to go through everything that has happened today in the last few hours regarding this story that obviously we knew was coming as far as a day where we would find more information about the tragedy that happened a little over a month and a half ago. And obviously now with Jalen Carter in Indianapolis, or he was earlier today, for the NFL Combine, it now does put into question what's going to happen with his future in the NFL Draft, which is now less than two months away. We'll also talk basketball and baseball, talk about the debut of Quinn Snyder as the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks last night, and also what's going on with the Braves down at spring training. Before we get into the details, Russ, we did kind of know this day was coming where we simply would find out more and boy, I tell you, it's uh, an awful, awful story. Even before we get into details for the people who have not heard everything, and obviously things are kind of changing by the hour here with more details coming out. It just a horrible tragedy that seems to be getting worse. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of layers to this, and I, I think the the worst part of it all for to me is you know two young people lost their lives and we have to relive it again today and we're going to have to relive it again at the NFL draft and it's just one it's just going to keep coming back and I, I hate that. I do too. I do too. And and look, this is news. This is major news. And it, it's when it involves someone dying, it it is uh, major news. And two people died in this situation and it includes a football player and now there are other football players involved and there are going to be other ramifications of this i want to say this first and foremost because i want to start by talking about the article that the atlanta journal constitution had early this morning seven hours ago uh, and it was right when i woke up and and it was being retweeted by some of the ajc writers the atlanta journal constitution is being blamed by some people, not everybody, of, of doing hatchet job and going after UGA. And I, I know that there there is a different take on journalism these days. That a lot of journalism is being looked at as what happens from 7 o'clock until midnight on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Channel. And... Let me remind you that there is news coverage and there is opinion. And the opinion is being misconstrued as being news coverage, which has turned people against the media. And I understand that, but I am a member of the media. I am a journalist. I do consider myself a journalist along with the talk show host. Not all talk show hosts are journalists, but I think I have done enough in my career where I consider myself a journalist. And I will say that the work the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has done on this story, while it is not going to please any Georgia Bulldog fan, has been some of the best journalism that I've seen 
in this state in a long time. Now, and, and, and look, I know when I say that, people are going to be mad at me for saying that. All right. But you've got to remember what journalism is all about. And it is about finding the truth into news. It was incumbent upon the Atlanta Journal-Constitution as a news organization to try to investigate what happened on January the 15th. They have done a tremendous job. I, and, and I know, again, even as I say the words out of my mouth, people are going to be mad at me for saying that because you're going to think, and I've already had some of my good friends say today, what the hell are they doing? Why are they doing this? I'm telling you, folks, this is what journalism's about. It's about finding what happened. And when you're a University of Georgia football player, it's a big damn deal. And when there is a death, it is a big damn deal. And so they have done a remarkable job of covering the story. People are going to get on Chip Towers, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution beat writer for the University of Georgia. That's ridiculous. First of all, Chip hasn't really reported on this story. It's been two news reporters, Alan Judd and Dylan Jackson, who have done this story. Chip has contributed to the story, but as far as the byline, it has not been Chip Towers. It has been Alan, ja Alan Judd and Dylan Jackson, and they've done a great job. From a journalism standpoint, look, there's a lot of things that are done that is not journalism. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to have that as a focal point of my show, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Some of the stuff that's on television, folks, is not journalism. The stuff that most of the time is on your local news at 6 and 11 is. And a lot of the things that are in the newspaper are. But the crap on television really is not. It's glorified TMZ. And it's about politics, and it's about a pissing contest and an argument and all that. This, what the AJC has done is really good journalism, and I'm proud of them. And again, for the third time, I know you're not going to like that. A lot of you are not going to like that, but they have done a ma magnificent job of this. And the story that came out earlier today at 7 a.m. was the first hint that Jalen Carter was part of this story. I want to read parts of this article here. At first, Jalen Carter told the police he was nearly a mile away when the University of Georgia teammate and a football staff member died in a car crash. Later, Carter said he had been following the car when it wrecked close enough to see its taillights. And at one point, he acknowledged he was alongside the car, later determined to be traveling at 104 miles per hour. Carter left the crash scene, apparently before the police or emergency vehicles arrived when he returned an hour and a half later he gave shifting accounts of the wreck as an athens police officer questioned him about whether he had been racing the car that crashed according to the documents that were reviewed by the ajc now obviously since this article came out at 7 a.m police later in the morning in athens police in athens filed misdemeanor street racing and reckless charges against carter in conjunction with the crash that killed Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willick. Of course, Tory Bowles was another staff member who was in the vehicle along with Warren McClendon. And Bowles and McClendon were literally and figuratively on the right side of the vehicle. Uh, Carter's presence at the moment of the crash, which was previously unreported, alters the narrative that the Athens police officials offered publicly from the beginning 
that this was a single car accident caused by simply LaCroix driving too fast. But police had reason to suspect almost from the moment of the crash that other cars had been at the scene, and they soon learned that at least two of those vehicles were driven by Georgia football players. Seeking evidence of possible racing, officers have obtained surveillance video from city-owned cameras along the route the players took out of downtown Athens. They also obtained footage from at least one business owner. The police have declined to release these videos, saying they are evidence in an open case. Carter's connection to the crash comes, of course, as he is at the Combine and is getting ready for the NFL draft. He did not appear at a press conference that was scheduled for earlier today. The um, Let me flip down here in this article to, to uh, get more of the details. Okay, here we go. Uh, Carter drove a 700, uh, a 2021 black Jeep Cherokee with a 707 horsepower engine known as a Hellcat V8, which has a top speed of 180 and can accelerate from zero to 60 in about three seconds. Used models for this car are about 100,000. He drove that same model the night of the fatal crash. Uh, as well as on a Thursday evening last fall when the Athens police ticketed for him for driving 89 in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. He was fined $1,013. Now, the crash occurred on Barnett Shoals Road, 2.45 a.m., following uh, the championship parade earlier that day. And, of course, then several players, including Carter, were at the Toppers Strip Bar in downtown Athens. The surveillance footage, footage the AJC got shows three cars leaving the downtown district uh, about the same time to go to the Waffle House, which is three miles away near Barnett Shoals Road. University officials have said LaCroix was not authorized to drive the expedition at the time of the crash, and neither the university nor its athletic department have responded to questions about the protocols for using the SUV that rents to transport football recruits during their visits to University of Georgia. Another car appeared to be linebacker Jalen Dumas-Johnson's 2019 Dodge Charger. Now, you may remember that last week, Dumas-Johnson was charged with street racing and reckless driving in a different accident that occurred five days before this fatal crash. They have also questioned him about the January 15th crash scene, according to records by the AJC. The third vehicle was the description of Carter's black Cherokee Trackhawk. Now, about a mile from the Waffle House, the expedition's right front tire struck a curb and the car flew off the roadway. It sheared two utility poles and slammed into at least two trees before crashing into an apartment building. Willick was not wearing a seatbelt, flew out of the car of the driver's second row seat. He was pronounced dead at the scene. LaCroix was unresponsive and had no pulse when emergency crews arrived. She was pronounced dead at an Athens hospital. Now, Calls to Athens, Clark County's 911 system reflected the chaos that followed the crash. In the background of one call, what seems to be McClendon's voice, can be heard repeatedly calling out the names of the other occupants of the expedition. Then he yells to apparent acquaintances who were standing near the wreckage. Another voice, louder and angry sounding, asks, What were y'all driving that fast for? One minute after the crash, a 911 call reported that another car was at the scene, some large SUV down there, and there's one guy out there looking. The operator asked, the SUV, the, the SUV is over in the ditch too? 
The caller said, nah, nah, that one is in the middle of the road. This and other calls suggest the police knew the crash was more complicated than a single car wreck. Less than 10 minutes after the first officers arrived, one asked a dispatcher to check a police database for information on Dumas Johnson's Dodge Charger. Officers also checked for alerts on Dumas Johnson himself, as well as for his apparent passenger, who is linebacker Smile Munden. Of course, the AJC had reported earlier uh, last month that also at the scene was Brian Gant, the football team's director of player support and operations, who often intervenes when players run afoul of the law. Carter got back to the scene after police officers asked Gant to get Carter back to the scene. He arrived at 4.15, an hour and a half after the crash. In the videotaped interview, Carter gave the officer an inconsistent account of what he knew about the crash. Carter first said he heard the wreck from an apartment complex nearly a mile away. Later, he said he witnessed it from a shorter distance, telling the officer both that he had been behind and besides the car that crashed. He denied racing and said he had not been driving fast, but he told the officer that occupants of the crash in the car were intoxicated. Carter said he had seen the group downtown. The officer saw, saw no sign that Carter had been drinking. Later this, this today, the information was released that Chandler LaCroix had a blood alcohol level of .197, which is twice the legal limit, and she was driving 104 miles per hour. Now, uh, all that can be looked at online at the AJC.com. Um, you, you may remember, you may not, but about a month ago, a little over a month ago, uh, probably a week after the accident, I went to Athens for something else. Uh, I have no, nothing to do with the accident. I, I went to Athens, but I did drive by the scene, and I saw where this happened. And I actually taped it and uh, showed a video to Russ and some of my friends. And I also, earlier today, was talking with someone who is from Athens, grew up in Athens, and who knows that road. And I will tell you this, that I don't know how anyone sober could have driven half of that speed on that road at that curve and made it. And she had twice the legal limit and was driving 104 miles an hour. It, it, it blows my mind. After seeing what I saw with that location, I, I just can't imagine someone going... 104 miles an hour on that on that stretch it, it and and she knew that stretch because she lived in an apartment down further toward the waffle house so she knew that curve of course she was drunk she had the twice the legal limit so look um this is all awful okay it, it it's horrible it's about the worst story we've had in a long time here in this state. It's awful now, I'm telling you. I mean, it would be awful if they were alive, but they're dead, and that makes it even worse. I know a lot of people are going to say, boy, we all make mistakes when we're young. Well, not like this. This is bad. This is really bad. Racing is really bad, and... um. Yes, we all did crazy things when we were young. We all did. We probably, not all of us, but many of us have probably driven after having too many to drink. 
I, 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 I never drove where I was twice the legal limit. I can tell you that. Um, I, I drove two times in particular where I was a little worried. Uh, I don't drink. I'm not a big drinker. I never have been. But uh, my God, twice the legal, legal limit and 104 miles an hour. And I, I think we all know what we're kind of all thinking here is that they were racing. The fact that Jamon Dumas Johnson had been arrested the day after they got back from Los Angeles in a different incident for racing. And now, uh, obviously, the, the chargers, charges that are coming against Jalen Carter, reckless driving and street racing. He was actually in Indianapolis getting ready for a press conference at 1030 earlier this morning and uh, was pulled away from it. He's not going to say anything. He can't say anything. Uh, Kirby Smart obviously had to say something. And he had this statement. The charges announced today are deeply concerning, especially as we are still struggling to cope with the devastating loss of two beloved members of our community. We will continue to cooperate fully with the authorities while supporting these families and assessing what we can learn from this horrible tragedy. I mean, that's about all he could say. There are a lot of questions, however, that are going to be asked about this. Now, we've talked about college athletes getting in trouble for the 16 years we've been on this show, all right? And there's no doubt that coaches, whether it's Mark Rick, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, doesn't matter, anybody. You can't put a leash on your players. You, you, you can't get inside their mind and tell them what to do when they're getting ready to do something stupid. I know that every college program, probably not every, but I'm sure most most of them, if not every college program, says and does everything they can to imprint in the minds of the people who are in their program, whether it's a football team, soccer team, baseball team, basketball team, swimming team, whatever. Please don't do anything stupid. When parents close the door of their child who they take to college and they walk out the door and go back home and they leave their child behind the door of a dorm or an apartment or whatever, they probably say, please don't do anything stupid. And you can say it and 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 say it. And we know that whether it's a football player or not, people are going to do things that they regret and sometimes cost them their life. And it, you know what? It makes you sick. Uh, the one thing that we can all agree on today is that these details and all of this makes us sick. It makes us sick that they're dead and that this is going to cause trauma for these families, of course, for the rest of their lives and the people who are involved. Awful memories, awful tragedy. Nolan Smith earlier today at the combine in Indianapolis was asked about Devin Willick and broke down crying, got emotional. It's awful. Awful. It was awful before today. It's worse because of today's information. And I think we all knew it was coming. I didn't believe the one car accident bullcrap. I'll be honest with you. There was no way after I saw that road and saw that curve that I thought that they were just strolling along on Barnett Shoals Road and there was no big problem. And they just lost control and died. I didn't think that. There was no way I believed that. 
So I knew something bad was coming, whether it was her blood alcohol level or something else that that was going on. I mean, you just knew it was coming. And it makes you sick. It makes you sick for the families. It makes you sick for her. It makes you sick for him. It makes you sick for the two that survived and everybody around it. It just makes you sick. And I am so saddened that the jubilation and the euphoria of what happened earlier that day and earlier that week has caused now uh, have something to stain it. And it, it, it will always be a, a different memory because of this tragedy that happened early that morning in Athens on Sunday. And that's a shame, but it's worse that they're dead. It just makes you sick. A beautiful 24-year-old girl who had a great future, all great reports of how she was. We had one of her, I believe, cousins call our show right after it happened. He was heartbroken. It, it just makes you sick that that family is going through this. And, of course, for Devin and everybody, everybody. So um, there are going to be questions, though. And there are going to be questions for the football program. There are going to be questions for the police department. As the article that I read to you earlier pretty much hinted at, the Athens Police Department was trying to say this was a single car accident when they probably shouldn't have either said nothing or said the truth because they pretty much held on to that single car accident claim there for a while. And the question of whether or not they were trying to cover it up is a legit one. We know that it happens in college football. We know that not everything that happens to a college football player gets reported. We know that police departments do cover things up from time to time in college towns. We just do. We, we know it. We hear it. We, we, we've seen it. And even the, even the story that the AJC printed a, a few weeks ago that talked about the fact that Brian Gant was called to the scene of the accident is is worth questions. It's worth questioning Kirby Smart about. Kirby Smart's going to get asked a lot of questions about the situation that he's not going to want to answer and probably won't. He'll give the answer of, well, this is being investigated and I can't say anything. Well, that's fine, but at some point he's going to have to he's going to have to talk about this. I know Kirby Smart is the two-time defending national championship coach. I love him. I never want him to stay, to, to leave, rather. I, 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 and this is not going to cost him his job. I'm not saying that by any means. But um, Kirby has a lot of power and has done great work for the University of Georgia and is a Hall of Fame head coach already. But there are going to be questions that are going to have to be answered about this situation because this is a bad deal. And what did the university know was going on? Did they know about Dumas Johnson's racing from earlier that week? Did they address it then? Did they address it with the football team? Did they know there was any racing going on between the other football players? Or was this just a spur of the moment? We're leaving the strip club downtown and we're going to go race on Barnett Shoals Road. So there's going to have to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked about this situation. And a lot of them, Kirby Smart, who, heck, he doesn't like to answer any questions anyway, he's going to have to answer some questions about this because this is bad. And you hate 
that a death of a football player is now going to be used as an example to future football players to not do anything stupid. But And not that Devin Willick did because he was a passenger, but even not to get in the car with anybody who drank. You can't because you'll wind up dead. You could wind up dead. And anyway, it, it is awful. It is awful that Jalen Carter is getting arrested. It is awful that that happened to now put himself in this situation because of his future in the NFL. We'll take a break and come back and talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about what's next for Jalen Carter with the arrest warrant that's now out for him. He says he's going back to Athens and will completely exonerate himself. So we'll talk about that a little bit and what NFL teams now have to think about when thinking about Jalen Carter because things have changed after what happened this morning. Then we'll talk about Quinn Snyder's debut and what's going on with the Braves down at spring training. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Welcome back to our broadcast. Bill and Russ here on the radio. More discussion now on the Jalen Carter situation. Look, um, I, I do wonder whether there will be more charges thrown Carter's way. He, from what the report in the Atlanta Journal Constitution had, lied to the authorities about his involvement. They obviously have proof that he was racing at the same time of that vehicle that crashed and killed the two people. And so these two charges right now are misdemeanors, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that more charges could be filed against Jalen Carter. The question that is obviously there at the forefront from a football standpoint is how is this going to affect his draft status two months from now for the NFL draft? Look, I think some of that depends on whether there would be more charges that would be coming. Now, again, as I said right before the break, Carter has evidently left Indianapolis, headed back to Athens where an arrest warrant is out for him, and said today he's going to be completely exonerated of these charges. So we'll see. Police obviously had something to file the charges. So as far as what's going to happen with his draft status, uh, we were talking just yesterday about the fact that you know this is probably the best player in the draft. I don't think there's any doubt about that. A lot of people have brought up today the fact that Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, had said several weeks ago that there were character issues with Jalen Carter. Everybody pushed back on that and said they did not know of anything that would have made anyone tell Todd McShay that there were character issues with Jalen Carter with the exception of someone who wanted to draft him that was trying to get him to slide down the draft board. I don't think that this qualifies as character issues. Now, we don't know that he's guilty. Obviously, they feel he's guilty or they wouldn't charge him. But you are innocent until proven guilty. But even with the charges that have been filed here and even with the report in the Atlanta Journal Constitution and it doesn't mean your character is bad if you've done something stupid and 
whether you lied about it or not or participated or whatever, I don't think it necessarily means you got bad character. Obviously, a tragedy happened that night. And from him supposedly leaving the scene of that accident and being called back there an hour and a half later, according to the reports, he knew something had happened that he didn't want to be a part of. And that's why he left. Why would he have left? Um, so, you know, the question is going to have to be, uh, obviously, what the penalty would be if he were found guilty of these charges. I think we do need to keep in, keep in mind, and a lawyer can call up and tell me otherwise, but I think there is the possibility of additional charges being filed against him and what the punishment could be and how this jeopardizes his potential to play in the NFL. Teams are going to have to ask the question, do I want to draft Jalen Carter? Will this mean that he is not going to be a top three draft pick and might slide down the board? And you know what? I think it is a fair question to ask of if you were in charge of a football team, would you still draft Jalen Carter? And Russ, you know, look, I I have to say that even knowing what I know right now of what has been reported, and that's all we can go on, right? It, we, we can only go on what's being reported and what he's going to be charged with. I don't fall think it falls – into the category of making me believe that he has those character issues that Todd McShay talked about that would keep me from drafting this young man as long as I, after interviewing him face-to-face, came away convinced that he's going to be right for my football team. And I'd be surprised if other people don't agree with me. Yeah, yeah. That's, in the NFL, I mean, there's a because we're talking about a talented player. So when you're you're, you're going to get to a certain point in the draft, I mean this. Let's just be honest. Where the talent outweighs, and and because they are misdemeanor charges, a team can try to you know sell it that way, I guess. Um, but my thing, I would want to talk to him first because you know the the reckless driving and the racing that's just stupid. Um, but for as far as the character is concerned, I want to know why you left the scene. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 have a, I know he's not charged with that, but, I mean, according to that AJC article, he was there and came back later um, and was asked to come back. But that's what I want to talk about because that's where I have the issue. I mean, I'm not saying – I guess I'm not saying no. I would just want to go through that process. I mean, I would say right today he's not on my draft board, but there's still more to come, and the draft is still two months away. And, and I need to know and, – and that's – so, you know, whenever these teams come to Athens for the pro day, you know, and they get a chance to talk to him, that's what I want to talk about. Why did you leave? Because uh, there's – and there could be a number of answers for that. I don't know that there's a right answer to that question, but I just it's – it's a conversation I would want to have before I brought him into my football team. There's no question. You would have to have that conversation with him. You would have to talk with him. You would have to get answers. You would have to look him in the eye, and you would have to walk out there feeling comfortable about what you heard. And, look, there is a very good chance that a lot of people are going to not feel comfortable about what they hear because if you ask those questions that you just posed and you either hear a twinge of 
misinformation in his answer, you may not want to draft this guy. And I, I think that's awful. <laughs> I really do, because I think we're talking about the best talent in the draft. And, again, would I draft him based on what I know right now? Yes. Now, I'll add this. I am afraid that even with what Jalen Carter is saying right now, uh, he's going back to Athens and the truth's going to come out and all this, which, hey, if he's if he feels that way, he needs to do that. He needs to answer those questions first to the police and then to the public because the public is the NFL right now, right? It's not just, oh, well, the fans want to know. Hell no, the NFL wants to know. And I am afraid that we're going to learn more, including the fact, possibility, Russ, that he could be charged with more. I mean – like you said, the leaving the scene, having to be called back, that's a problem. The lying, the the different stories to the police, that's a problem. So we don't know really how far this is going to go down that road, and that worries me. That 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 really does worry me because look, and I I know people are. Some people may be saying, well, why are y'all talking about this? Well, this is a sports show, and this is a sports matter, and this is part of the story now. You know, it, yesterday it wasn't. Yesterday, Russ and, and, and I were talking about how if the Falcons could trade up to get Jalen Carter, they'd pair with Grady Jarrett, and they'd be the best team in the history of the NFL. All right, now it's a different conversation. Now there are legitimate questions about Jalen Carter that you can't ignore, including misdemeanor chargers that are coming. And I know misdemeanor chargers are, are, you know, and it's not like he's been blamed or, you know, nothing like vehicular manslaughter or anything of that nature whatsoever. I don't think that could happen. Even if, if, if they were racing, I don't think that he could be pinned for that. But I, I just think that there's nothing about this that's good. Right? I mean, we, we can talk about this and overanalyze this all damn day. There is nothing to take away from this that's good. Nothing. The, the, the different stories, Russ, the leaving the scene, the act itself, whatever the hell the act was, and then the outcome. I mean, there's nothing good about it. No, there's really not. And, um, and, and that's why, you know, it's, it's like you said, I, I saw some stuff early on, you know, about kind of linking him to the to the death and i don't think that's accurate you know um because if if they're racing each other that's a decision that was made uh by both parties um you know and and again the charges the level of the charges being misdemeanors you know that's you know that that is what it is but it's just the whole the whole story, the whole scene of him leaving, did the cops make mistakes or were they trying to cover it up? And then that leads into bigger questions. That brings the Todd McShay stuff back in. Well, if, they're, if, they, if there was a cover-up here, what else are they hiding? You know, it just, it's yeah. just messy and, and icky, and it, it just it absolutely stinks. But I just you – know, trying to be – I don't want to rush to judgment – on on a player in the draft, you know, but there's just there's some questions that need to be answered. I think before, like just me personally, I would feel comfortable with say if if he did drop and the Falcons took him at eight. Like I, there's a lot that needs to happen before I would feel comfortable with that. And and I don't, you know, we're gonna get some more answers. I don't know what they're gonna be, so I'm just trying to just wait until that comes to really have an opinion one way or the other. 
I know people did not want to hear any of this. I know people, especially, for example, when the AJC initial article came out a couple of weeks ago, Russ, people were like, let's just let this go away. Let them rest in peace. It happened. But again, that that's that's not logical, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a, a tremendous news story. And we're going to have to get to the bottom of this. We're going to have to find more information. And, and yes, Jalen Carter is going to have to get to the bottom of it. And I, I think, Russ, look, if we're going to talk about the Athens Police Department, they're going to, we're going to have to get to the bottom of what their situation was, what they said, and whether or not they were being honest or, or whatever the deal was. It, something doesn't add up with the Athens right. Police Department. Right. I mean, that's, that's part of this, too. I mean, people look and people make mistakes. So I'm not just going to rush and say, hey, you know, they were covering it up. I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe they just made mistakes. Maybe it was a chaotic scene and they just didn't handle it very well. Uh, but, you know, in that article that you referenced uh, in the last segment from the AJC, that 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 quote at the very end, when Jalen Carter had been pulled over for reckless driving back in September and the cop said, when you're around your teammates, tell them to slow down. That, that's what really, like, there, there's more here that, that we need to find out of what exactly was going on. Right. I mean, look, one of the first things that come, came to my mind earlier today was the question of Kirby Smart. Did you ever know at any point in the 2022 season that any of your players were involved in racing? I mean, Russ, that's a legitimate question I, that I think it is. he needs to answer. I mean, it is. It's a fair question because I got the the earliest account I found today was from a, a and and it was a tweet Josh Pate had. He was trying to be funny, but this was back in April. This wasn't in relation to anything that's happened. But in April of twenty two, it was it was in reference to Kenny McIntosh getting pulled over for reckless driving. I mean, that's almost a year ago. Mm. So there's a history of players on that team doing things in that town with their car, which you know what. If if you're either doing something reckless or if you're drunk, a car's a weapon, right? It, it, I mean, Russ, I just sent you the video that I shot in January of that curve. And again, I ask you, if you got the video and can look at it now, how in the world with that curve going half the speed of 104 miles an hour and sober, could you take that curve? Yeah, I it would no. I mean, I, I would I would almost have to be like a, a Formula One car or something like that. I I, I don't think you could. I, I mean, I, I don't think some of the best drivers in the world could do because we're talking about a, a, a huge SUV. We're not talking about like a little yeah. sedan. You know, I, that's that's I know. tough. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Hawks and the Braves right after this. Last night, the Atlanta Hawks lost to the Washington Wizards by three points, 119 to 116. They couldn't stop Bradley Beal, who had 37 points. Kyle Kuzma had 28 for Washington. This is a team that Atlanta has not played so far this year, but will play, obviously, three more times in the final 20 games of the season. Trey Young had 31 points, seven assists. He had two chances to win the game, or, or I'm sorry, to tie the game at the very end. He could not get it, including a wild shot to try to make it a tie game, send it into overtime. Didn't work, got it back, had another shot, didn't make it. 
Bogey had 16 points, Murray 15, Hunter 14, Capella 13, and Sadiq Bay had 13 as well. Right before the half, Trey Young fouled ex-teammate Dion Wright, who made three free throws. It was a really dumb foul, and it mattered as Atlanta lost by three points. The Hawks led 108-100 to with six minutes left. Washington then went on a 19-8 run to beat the Hawks and to put them back to the 500 mark. That was the debut of Quinn Snyder. And, Russ, look, uh, first of all, we saw coaching on the sideline, which was refreshing. I mean, we saw it with Joe Prunty, but we also had not seen it with Nate McMillan. We saw coaching. We saw discussion. We saw energy. It was a hell of a game to watch. I hate the Hawks lost, but I really enjoyed the game. They just couldn't stop Bradley Bill, which, I mean, defense is a, still a problem. But And Trey shooting that long 30-footer from, you know, Alpharetta was not very good either when they had a chance to win the or tie the game, rather. But uh, you know what? I was encouraged by the energy with Quinn Snyder, and I still think better days are ahead just because of even that one glimpse of what his – his impact could be. I think so, you know. And, and look, he just took the job two days ago, so there's not really a, a lot he can do outside of when you call a timeout and, you know, uh, just motivational whatever in the huddle. Uh, but I think also, you know, there were you, you mentioned Trey's shot there at the end of the game uh, from the logo, which was just not a good choice. Um, I think also, you know, and I'm, I know this sounds like I'm picking on Trey, but the uh, – when when he had the the foul right before the halftime, when the Wizards players was jacking up like a desperation shot at the buzzer, and Trey fouled him, you know, just little mental things like that, I think are, are, are a good place where Quinn Snyder can start to help these guys understand how to be pros and to you know clean some of that stuff up. Because in a game like last night, you're playing a team that you're pretty close to in the standings. It's a back and forth game. You lose it by three points. Little mistakes like that are going to cost you wins, and that adds up over the course of the season. So, you know, I, 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 hopefully, you know, there's some some stuff they can use there to to grow off of now. Hope so. I hope so. And um, I can't wait to continue watching them though, because it's just good to see someone on the sideline who is not standing there at attention, like the flags being unfurled. It's uh, it's good to see someone really coach and. I liked I liked watching it. It was it was it was again it was a fun game, but I hated the Hawks' loss, especially because they looked to be in control, and they just couldn't stop Bradley Beal and made a couple of bad shots. All right, Georgia hoops lost to Florida last night. Georgia is now sixteen and fourteen on the year, six and eleven in the SEC. It was a bad loss, seventy-seven to sixty-seven. Georgia's now lost four in a row, and they are uh, really struggling to get to that finish line of the regular season, which will be Saturday at South Carolina at 1 o'clock. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech beat the crap out of Syracuse, 96-76. to Evidently, Jim Beheim was being booed in that game, which he's also being booed from here with me because I can't stand the guy. I think he's awful. Yellow Jackets have now won four of their last five and five of their last seven. They'll be at Boston College on Saturday at 2.30, Russ, I mean, look, I I would probably bet that Josh Pastor is still going to get fired. But you got to give this team credit for, for at least correcting themselves and not having an embarrassing record. I mean, it's somewhat more respectable compared to what it was on the way to earlier this 
season. Yeah, they've won, I think, five out of their last seven, four out of their last six in the ACC. They've got a winnable game on Saturday against Boston College. And and a couple things, the team hasn't quit on the coach. So when you do that, you know, that pro-con thing at the end of the year on whether or not you want to bring Josh Pastner back, you can't say the team quit on him. Uh, that's for sure. You know, he, Rod McKenzie told us earlier this week he's short in the rotation. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing that he found that. But I think it's also fair to ask, well, why did it take so long? And, yeah. but, but the one thing that Josh Pastner and his team has definitely done is they've made this a much more difficult conversation as far as his future at Georgia Tech when the season wraps up. We'll see. We'll see what happens in that game on Saturday and with Josh Pastner uh, maybe next week. All right. Uh, also wanted to mention that the uh, baseball teams, Georgia Tech won against Long Island who have no guts whatsoever to call themselves the Sharks. They could have called themselves the Ice Tees. Uh, anyway, Georgia Tech won 23-11 to yesterday. They're now 8-0 on the year. They had six home runs, including three from redshirt sophomore Jackson Finley. They will play Kennesaw State today at Russ Chandler Stadium. Georgia beat Presbyterian 11-6. Their next game will be on Friday when they will host Georgia Tech at Foley Field at 6 o'clock. Then on Saturday, the game will be at Russ Chandler in Atlanta at Georgia Tech at 2 o'clock. And then Sunday at 3.02 in Gwinnett at the AAA home of the Braves there in Gwinnett. So a uh, big series coming up between the Dogs and the Yellow Jackets this weekend. Georgia Southern also beat Mercer 11 nothing on Tuesday. As for the Braves, they had kind of a bullpen game today as they played at home against Tampa Bay. They tied the Rays. 3-3 is the final score in this game. Jesse Chavez with two scoreless innings, one hit, hit allowed, three strikeouts. Yates, Kirby Yates, <clears throat> had a run on one hit. It was a solo home run. He also had a strikeout in one inning of work. Nick Anderson had a scoreless inning of work. He's trying to come back from her arm injuries. Very good young pitcher who played for Tampa Bay and Miami in the past. A good inning for him with two strikeouts. Then you had a couple of uh, guy, well, one guy, I guess the Elledge kid, Seth Elledge, trying to make the team. He had a scoreless inning for the Braves, who had an RBI from Echeverria and a couple of minor leaguers as well. But they tie the Rays in that game down in Florida. 3-3 the final score. Atlanta now 1-2. They'll face the New York Mutts tomorrow in Port St. Lucie at 1-10. And then they'll take on Houston down in Palm Beach. You are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.